Well, hey guys, welcome to church. Uh, you know, the good thing about preaching online is you can just stay in your pajama bottoms if you want, right? <laughs> just like you guys on those Zoom calls all week. Just kidding. Hey, um, if you want to grab your Bibles, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 12 in just a little bit. But before we get there, I just want to pause. And first, I just want to say a big thank you to our staff who serves behind the scenes. Our staff's been working incredibly hard during this time uh, on everything from coordinating local outreaches to a great tech team that's working behind the scenes to bring you this content and connecting with kids and youth. And so thanks to our staff. And also I wanna say a big thank you to those of you who are being the church out in our community. Uh, many of you are being the church in ways we don't even know about. And then some of you have been showing up for the volunteer opportunities to serve our community in essential ways. And I just wanna say thank you. Um, bagging and delivering food as we've been partnering with Canyon View Vineyard. And then also uh, Wednesday, uh, Convoy of Hope delivered a semi-truck full of food. And we, along with a bunch of other local churches, uh, had the privilege of being able to distribute that. And we're partnering with the Community Food Bank. And we were able to drop off a big load of food to them this week, along with a donation uh, that's going to provide meals for about 560 people in need. And that is from the first of your donations to our local impact fund. And so I just want to say thank you, congregation. Thank you for your generosity during this time and just for supporting those in our community. Now you can stay connected just by going to our website, lifegj.org, and uh, you can access that impact fund as well. And thank you to those of you that just continue to generously tithe and give and support the church during this time as well. Also, hey, we'd love to be praying for you. And so if you have prayer needs, um, you know, our medical community and those that are working so hard during this time, you're in our prayers. Those that are maybe struggling with jobs uh, or lack of jobs right now, you're in our prayers. But if you have specific prayer needs, let us know because we'd love to be praying for those. And also these volunteer opportunities pop up pretty quick and there's real needs. And so if you have a heart to get out and serve and you're, you're healthy and you're in a, you know, a low risk population, we would love to connect you with some of these opportunities to serve our community. And you could just email us at help at lifegj.org and just say, hey, put me on that list. And you can get a text or an email a couple times a week that keeps you up to date on these great opportunities. In fact, including some this weekend. Hey, uh, we're just going to dive into Exodus chapter 12. We've been in the series Out of Darkness. And if you've been tracking with us, we're going to skip a few chapters ahead because this Friday is Passover, which actually happens to be Good Friday as well, which is cool how, how it all lines up. And I want to talk about the very first Passover. But really what we're going to do is, is at the end of service, we're going to take communion. So maybe you want to pause right now if uh, you're watching this not live but uh, you can just pause and go get some elements uh, you can be creative it doesn't have to be grape juice and and uh, bread or a cracker but be creative and get something for yourself or for you and your family because we're going to close our service today by taking communion together but in the meantime what what's going to be so cool about this is communion and what we know as communion comes from the last supper and the last supper, the last supper, the last Passover, the Passover where Jesus gives us communion is actually foreshadowed in an incredible way all the way back in Exodus where we've been. 
And we're going to come back up. We're, we're going to pick back up the chapters we, we uh, are going to skip here, chapters 7 through 11. Uh, we're going to pick them back up after Easter. But today, we're going to see this incredible foreshadowing of what we celebrate when we ce celebrate the Lord's Supper, that his body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. So if you have your Bible, turn over to Exodus chapter 12, or you can follow along on the screen as well. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of the year. In other words, what I'm about ready to tell you right here, what this event here, what the instruction I'm getting ready to give you is actually so important that we are going to reorganize your calendar around it. This is going to be the event that launches your, your calendar in the very first month of the year. This is how I want you to start your year off is focused on this event. Verse three, tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of the month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. Now, here's what's cool about this is this is the very first instruction, um, kind of guidance or thing to do that God gives people in Exodus. You know, a lot of people, when you think of the first five books of the Bible, the portion of scripture known as the Torah or literally the instructions, a lot of people think of it as, oh, that's just about the rules that God gives people to follow. And what's so cool about this very first Passover is before eight, it, we're, we're eight chapters before God actually gets to giving any family rules to his people. And before he gets to any of that, he's going to say to his people, I want to be your savior. I want to be your rescuer. I want to be your deliverer. And to receive that, all you have to do is trust me. And so I'm going to tell you to do something right now that feels a little strange. But I want you to trust me in this. Check this out. Verse four. So they're to take this lamb. And it says, if any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor having taken into account the number of people there. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect. A spotless, perfect lamb. This, this picture of Jesus, 1,400 years later, Jesus, who's, who's the lamb of God, sinless, who will come to this earth for us. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from among, among the sheep or goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month. So here's what happens in the scene. Here's what's happened. This Passover has been celebrated now for 3,400 years or so since this. And what would happen in the home is that they would literally take a lamb, a, a, a perfect spotless lamb. They would take it into the home with their children. They, it would become almost like a pet for a period of time. And God wanted them to do this. God wanted them to take care of it because he wanted them to feel the weight of, a, of what was about to happen. Imagine that in your family, if you had kids. And as you know, um, you know, I've got a, a cat. And if the cat just gets left, the cat will go out. And if the cat's not back in the house by bedtime, my, my kids are like, is the cat in? Because they're freaked, because we have coyotes, right? And, uh, and so even me, who has kind of, you know, not a super soft heart for 
all animals um, has developed this heart for this cat, mostly because I just love my kids, right? Um, and I, but so, so they're all so worried about that. But imagine that you've got pets probably and your kids feel the same way or you do too. And so they're supposed to bring this lamb in and raise it and, and have it close to them in the family. And then, and then here's what happens after this period of time. It says, take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. So now you got to take this lamb out, this perfect spotless lamb, and it has to be killed. And they're going to prepare a meal. Then they, verse 7, then they are to take some of the blood, some of the blood, and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. This is such a powerful picture here in verse 7. So they're to, they're to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the doorposts. Actually, if you think about it, it's in the shape 1400 years before Jesus. They put it side and top in the shape of what will eventually become a Roman execution stake. In this incredible foreshadowing of what Jesus would do for us. And so they're, they're to apply the blood. And then after they apply the blood to the side and the top of the door, they are to enter in, enter in to the house where they're going to be protected from this final plague. They're going to enter into the house where actually later in the chapter, they're told to stay in their house, kind of like you're being told to stay in your house. But they're told to stay in, but they enter in under the blood. They enter in. They pass under so that they will be passed over. So they, verse seven, let's see, verse eight. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast, unleavened bread, unleavened bread. And, and here's what's cool about this for, you know, this, this feast of Passover has been celebrated for thousands of years, right? And so the unleavened bread here, uh, if, if you can see this, it's, it's pierced with these tiny holes. It's, it's striped. And it's this beautiful picture of Jesus' body it's this picture, um, the symbolism of Jesus' body, which would be wounded for us, pierced. In fact, one of the things they do in this Passover ceremony, if you've ever been to a Passover Seder, and it's a powerful experience, if you haven't, you should do it sometime. But as they take and they, they have three pieces of matzah like this, unleavened bread, and they actually break one of them. And then they place it, it's called the afikoman. They place it in between the other two. And they hide it. They have this special pouch. They take it out, they wrap it, and they hide it somewhere in the house. And then the young children have to go. Three and one in the middle that's then taken out and buried in this picture, this symbolism, I believe, of Jesus' body being broken for us and then him being buried in the tomb and three days later rising again, which we're going to celebrate this coming weekend. And so 
Moving on. So they're, they're to eat this, this feast and eat bread without leaven. And also leaven is a picture of sin we see, we see in, in scripture in the New Testament. And this, so, so this unleavened bread, again, it's a picture of Jesus and what he'll do for us. The perfect spotless lamb. Verse eight, verse nine. Do not eat the meat raw cooked. Actually, let's skip ahead to 11. This is how you're to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Verse 12, on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. There's no other God. And, and this in, in the final plague that, uh, of the 10 plagues. In an interesting, um, this, this scenario that we see, if you remember back in Exodus chapter one, where Pharaoh kills the babies where he makes a decree that all the baby boys would be killed. And then in this very last plague, we, we see pictures of that. But really, the plagues are all these judgments against the gods of Egypt, the idols of Egypt. And God says, I'm going to judge them. And throughout all the plagues, we'll see as we go through them in a little while, that God judges them finally because he says, I'm the Lord. There's only one God. There's only one God. Verse 13, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. So that's the Passover. It's this beautiful thing. Verse 14, this is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. Generation upon generation and century after century, year after year, they celebrated this. They would gather together in their homes and celebrate. Remember the time because right after this is when finally Pharaoh says, get out of here, people of Israel. He lets the people go and God redeems his people. He brings them out of slavery. And they celebrate this every year. Still, 3,400 years later. But for 1,400 years, they celebrated this. Not understanding the picture. Even in the prophet Isaiah talks about the lamb that would be slain. Like a lamb to the slaughter. He talks about Messiah. Who would come? His body would, would be broken and br crushed for our iniquity and our sin. And 1,400 years later, a rabbi and his closest followers would gather together in a small room we know as the upper room. And he would give this, this meal a significance and a meaning that nobody up to this time ever understood. It's pretty mind-blowing. In fact, um, real quick, let's go back to Exodus chapter 6 for just a second. Because here's what you're going to see. In Exodus chapter 6, in verse 6, here's, here's what God tells him. He says, I want you to tell the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will 
redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. And this, so, so we see four different things. I'll bring you out. I'll free you. I'll redeem you. I'll make you my own people. This is God's intention for his people. To bring him into relationship with him. And, and in the Passover, we see this, this ceremony where God says, here's, here's what I want you to do. I know this doesn't make sense, but I just need you to trust me. Put this blood on the, on the sides of your door and up above and trust me. And I'm going to accomplish these things for you. And significantly, every year at Passover, they would celebrate with four different cups. The first cup would, would be to celebrate that they were brought out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. The second cup, that they were freed, they were rescued. The third cup, that they, would, they were redeemed. And the fourth cup, that they were brought into relationship. They were brought into relationship. And so that's really significant. If you, have, if you want to turn to Luke chapter 22, this is where Jesus, all these pictures that have been there for 1,400 years are going to come into focus now on the person who they were all about to begin with. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat of it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it. And here's something so cool about this. When, when, when Jesus would give thanks or literally give the blessing on the bread, um, blessed are you, O Lord, our God, who brings forth bread from the earth. It's, it's a prophetic statement that his body would come out of the grave. Even in the blessing he gives and Jewish people have been giving for hundreds of years. So he takes the bread, he breaks it. He, he passes it out to his disciples. He says, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, you got to pause for, some, for a second and realize something. This would be shocking. This was one of the holiest um, tradition-filled moments for a Jewish person. They'd celebrated, these disciples had celebrated this every year since they were born. And so Jesus, as he, as he takes this bread and breaks it, he, he, he says, this is my body. It's shocking. This would be like me getting up on um, Christmas Eve service and going, hey guys, guess what? Actually, this, this whole thing has been about my birthday. It would be shocking. If Jesus is not who he claimed to be, it would be ludicrous. But he takes it and he says, this whole thing for all these hundreds of years has been a picture of me. He gives thanks. He broke it. He gave it to them. In the same way, after the supper, and this is so cool because the fourth cup, the fourth cup, if you remember the fourth cup, was when, when uh, they would celebrate in Exodus chapter 6. They would celebrate that, that God had made them his own people. 
And so Jesus says, hey, here's the fourth cup after supper. And he takes that fourth cup. And he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And these guys would have known the Hebrew scriptures well. And immediately when Jesus said the new covenant, they're thinking Jeremiah 31. The new covenant in Jeremiah 31. A new covenant I make with you. The covenant where he says, I'll write my law on your hearts. I'll forgive their sins. I will remember their sins no more. I will be their God. And the new covenant is not just something for the people of Israel, but for anyone in the whole world. For all people. And this, when he takes this fourth cup, that's all about you becoming my people. It's this invitation for all of humanity, for anyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus to be part of that all people. That our heavenly father gives us the opportunity to come into relationship, to become his, part of his family. By placing our trust in Jesus. In fact, the apostle John, when he writes in his famous, famous scripture, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes or literally um, he says believes in. In the Greek, it, it carries the idea of fully placing your trust in. Whoever fully places their trust in me will not perish, but have everlasting life. And so when Jesus says, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. He's saying through what I'm about ready to do for you. Through what I'm about ready to do for you. Simply by trusting, just like back in Exodus 12. How did you get into a relationship with God? What was the first thing God instructed his people to do? Just, just trust me. Just trust me. And so I don't know where you're at, where you're watching this. I know we have lots of people. I've been hearing um, lots of amazing stories of many, many people giving their lives to Jesus. And maybe some of you today, as I've been speaking, it's like, aha, I never thought of it that way. Literally what God is asking you to do to come into relationship with him is to trust in the work that Jesus did. To trust in, in the fact that he died for you and rose again, that he's the son of God. And to fully place your faith and trust in him. And so, as Winston comes up, we're going to close in a song. But as he gets ready to come up, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond here. You know, for those of you maybe that have, you've never gave your life to Jesus to begin with. I just want to give you the opportunity to do that. That just like John said, simply by trusting in him, putting your faith in him, you can have life, eternal life in Jesus. You can have hope in him. You can have the hope that, you know, in this time in history where we're reminded of how fragile life is, that we have a solid hope for life eternal in Jesus.
And so I just want to invite you to pray along a prayer like, like this. And maybe you prayed this before, but it was decades ago. And in this season, you're re-engaging with your relationship with God. Maybe you want to pray it today as a prayer of just rededicating your life to Jesus. You could pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I know I sinned. I know I can't get to you on my own. But I want to take your invitation to simply trust me. And so, Lord, I believe you are who you said you are. I want to live my life for you. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. And invite me, welcome me into your family. And into relationship with you. Let's sing this song and then I'll come back and I'll lead us in communion. You know, something else that's really cool from Exodus chapter 12. They only had to pass under the blood once. From that point on, it was just looking back at what had been accomplished for them. And the same is true in your life and my life. If you're a follower and a believer in Jesus, that your salvation has been accomplished through what he did for us. When his body was broken, when his blood was shed on the cross, when he gave his life and he rose again. And so, Lord Jesus, we come before you. We thank you as we remember that night when you took the bread and said, this is my body that's given for you, that's broken for you. And we take and we eat in remembrance of you. Lord, and as we take this cup, which represents your blood that was poured out for us, that you gave your life freely, 
and that through this we have forgiveness of sins, Lord. We just want to say thank you. We thank you for the new covenant we have. That, that you have wiped away our sins. That you have called us your own. And so we take and we drink in remembrance of you. Hey, and all God's people in all your living rooms said, amen. God bless you. We hope you have a fantastic week. Come back next week as we celebrate the resurrection on Easter weekend. God bless. Invite somebody. God bless. We'll see you next week.